Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Thursday, January 16th, 2020. On this day in 1935, the FBI killed outlaw Ma Barker in a four-hour shootout. Ma went down in history as a woman who loved her sons deeply. So deeply, it made her public enemy number one. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the deadly shootout between the FBI and wanted criminals Ma and Fred Barker. Let's go back to 5.30 a.m. on January 16, 1935, on the shores of Lake Weir, Florida. Fifteen federal agents surrounded the house, approaching from three sides. If the criminals wanted to escape, they'd have to go by boat, and if they went to the boat, they'd be in the sights of Agent Earl Connolly, leader of the operation. The agents had over 1,500 rounds of ammo, ample tear gas, and the element of surprise. And that still wasn't enough for FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. These outlaws were leaders of the notorious Barker Carpus Gang, responsible for two high-profile kidnappings, 10 murders, and over a million dollars of larceny. And that was just in the past three years. The FBI had apprehended a few of the gangsters over the past month, but Hoover was convinced that Connolly's team had finally tracked down the gang's real leaders. The dastardly pair were hiding out in the backwoods of central Florida, under assumed names, spending their days hunting a three-legged gator named Old Joe. It was the tales of gangsters hunting Old Joe that helped the feds track down the safe house, as well as a map found in gangster Doc Barker's hideout, which conveniently had the location circled. And now, so did the FBI. The agents moved in on the Florida house, a well-kept two-story with lakeshore views. Then they made their move. Fred Barker, come out. We are Department of Justice agents and we have the house surrounded. No reply. For all they knew, the house was empty. They waited and waited, growing sluggish in the Florida humidity. After 15 minutes, the agents yelled another warning. Again, there was no answer, no surrender, not even a sign of three-legged old Joe. After one more warning, the men launched tear gas grenades at the windows. Finally, a woman's voice called out, all right, go ahead. On her command, bullets hailed down from the upstairs windows. These outlaws would put up a fight. 
They were the new Bonnie and Clyde, criminals in the spirit of John Dillinger and Mad Dog Underhill, and they'd outlived them all. Fred Barker was a career criminal, 33 years old, typically seen with slicked back hair, light stubble, and tired eyes, at least in his mugshot. Kate Barker was his mother. She was a round-faced 61-year-old with short black hair who favored dark lipstick and operating in the shadows, and her sagging arms aimed a machine gun right at Agent Connolly. Over the next three hours, the FBI agents fired every bullet they had. Connolly's forehead broke out in sweat. Nerves, or perhaps it was just the Florida heat. All of his men were alive and unharmed, but could they have been outlasted? He had to order them to retreat to get more ammo from Jacksonville until he realized that no more gunfire was coming from the house either. Around 10.30 a.m., the agents strong-armed a local handyman, Willie Woodbury, to go into the house. Woodbury was instructed to find out if Ma and Fred Barker were planning an ambush. Willie nervously walked up the long wooden dock leading from Lake Weir to the front door and through the door to the screened-in front porch. He passed walls pockmarked with bullet holes, overturned chairs, and torn paper sunshades. Somehow, the fancy glass-doored china cabinet was untouched, but there was no sign of the Barkers. Willie plodded upstairs. There, he found Ma and Fred by the windows, dead. Guns littered the floor between them. Fred was slumped in a chair, surrounded by bandages and syringes. His mother had clearly been tending to him, caring for her son even in her own last moments. As for Ma, it was unclear whether she'd taken one of the FBI's bullets or, upon watching her child die before her eyes, turned her own pistol on her heart. Either way, she would not be taken by her son's killers. Woodbury called down to the FBI. Once again, wanted dead or alive had resulted in death. Up next, we'll examine the crime spree that led J. Edgar Hoover to call Ma Barker the most vicious, dangerous, and resourceful criminal brain of the last decade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now back to the story. On January 16th, 1935, wanted criminal Ma Barker died in an FBI shootout. And while she wasn't always called Ma Barker, some would argue that she was always destined for a life of crime. When Arizona Clark was eight, Jesse James winked at her. From there, Arizona's fate was sealed. 
she was entranced by the glamour of gunslingers. In the harsh plains of the Wild West, she'd never quite be able to see crime as a bad thing. At age 18, Arizona married and changed her name, Barker to match her husband, Kate to match her self-image, though she'd be best known by the name she took in 1893, Ma. Ma and George Barker had four sons in short order, Herman, Lloyd, Doc, and Freddie. They were her world. They were also juvenile delinquents. From their early teens, the Barker boys were breaking and entering, stealing cars, and robbing their neighbors. Instead of putting her foot down, Ma enabled her brood, unwilling or unable to see her son's flaws. They were in and out of jail, but she did everything in her power to get them out and keep them free. However, theft and trespassing soon turned into kidnapping and murder. In 1927, Herman Barker was caught committing a robbery and killed a police officer in an attempt to escape. However, the attempt was futile. Herman died by suicide to avoid another stint in jail. This seems to have been the breaking point for George Barker, who left Ma in 1928. With no husband, one son dead, and the other three in jail, Ma had no way to support herself and was forced to turn to sex work. When Fred got out in 1931, Ma was hellbent her son would never see prison again. She joined him on the road as he returned to his life of crime. It was a codependency. Ma took care of Fred and Fred supported her financially. When Arthur got out, he did the same. Lloyd remained in prison, but Ma hoped he'd join them soon. With Ma at his side, Freddie Barker joined up with Alan Karpis, forming the Barker Karpis Gang. Soon, Ma Barker, a woman in her early 60s, was following a gang of gunslinging Wild West outlaws. They robbed banks, they robbed trains, and in 1933, they kidnapped Ham Brewing Dynasty scion William A. Ham Jr. and successfully ransomed him for $100,000, worth about $2 million today. The next year, they kidnapped banker Edward George Bremer Jr. for twice the ransom. The kidnappings captivated the nation, making the Barker Carpus gang celebrities and FBI targets. At one point, the gangsters tried to disguise themselves with plastic surgery. When the surgeon botched it, they killed him. Freddie Barker and Alan Carpus were the obvious leaders of their eponymous gang, but the FBI thought Ma might be the real criminal mastermind. In December 1934, they finally caught Doc Barker raiding his apartment. Among the evidence they collected was a map to the house his mom and brother were hiding out in. In short order, the FBI went to Florida, surrounded the house, and shot the Barkers to death. According to their official reports, the FBI confiscated eight guns inside the Lake Weir house and thousands of dollars in cash worth millions today. Fred and Ma's bodies were sent to the local funeral home. Word of their deaths spread fast, sensationalized in the newspapers. 
Ma Barker Brains of Gang reported killed with Fred Barker, son, in furious fray. According to the local funeral director, Harold Martin, there was extreme public interest in seeing the outlaw's corpses, proof that even heroes could die. Ma Barker's body was on display at the funeral home for eight months and 15 days, the original Central Florida tourist attraction. Whether she deserved this gauche treatment or not is up for debate. Ma Barker spent her whole life surrounded by outlaws, watching them, raising them, supporting them. So was it so shocking she'd die like them? Was she destined to become a criminal from birth? And was she even a criminal? After all, there's no evidence of Ma Barker planning or committing any of the Barker Carpus gang's crimes. But there is evidence of J. Edgar Hoover abusing his power to create smear campaigns and using disinformation to improve the image of the FBI. Hoover spread the story that the gangster's mother was a criminal mastermind. Hoover sent the agents in to capture an elderly woman, dead or alive. Hoover declared Ma Barker public enemy number one. All the historical record can confirm is that Ma Barker loved her sons. Perhaps her circumstances weren't the criminal activity surrounding her, but the stories told about her by the FBI, by the newspapers, and by the public, eager for the next outlaw to look up to in a hard, hard time. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you're interested in learning more about the crimes of the Barker Carpus Gang and Ma Barker's life and psychology, check out our episodes of Female Criminals on Ma Barker. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thank you.